Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our sermon this morning is based on Jesus's parable in Matthew chapter 13, We stay standing out of respect and to give honor and glory to the words and work of Jesus. This is the reading of Matthew's gospel, chapter 13. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned and gather the wheat and bring it in to my barn. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seeds stand for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, And they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Christians care. You're caring people. Christians, by definition, they care. Throughout this worship series, as we've been defining Christian, we've seen all of the things that you care about. It's it's the things God cares about. We saw how, how Christians care about prayer because prayer is a beautiful gift that God has given to us in which we get to pray back to God and reflect on all of the promises that he's given us. Christians care about rest, spiritual rest, because we know, we know how difficult it can be to carry our own yoke but Christ gives us a new kind of yoke of discipleship, one that is filled with rest, rest that is a clear conscience before God. 
Christians care. Christians care about God's word. And, and that's why we plant ourselves ever deeper in the gospel of our Lord. And, and that's why we, we scatter the goodly seed abroad. We, we recklessly throw God's word out so others can hear it. No, Christians care. And today in our sermon text, in this parable that we looked at, we are going to get at one of the things that, that Christian people care about the most with this parable. Jesus gets right at the heart of something we care a lot about. And I want to tell you what that is in, in just one word. But first, I need to warn you. This parable that Jesus tells, it changes your worldview. Actually, I don't want to warn you. I'm going to encourage you. This, this parable gives us a deep and significant and unique understanding compared to everybody else. It tells us what's going on in the world. In a way, what Jesus does in this parable is he reveals the future. He, he tells us the answers behind one of, one of the most asked questions. So that's what's going to happen as we look at Matthew 13. But what is it that Christians care about? Well, in a word, Christians care about evil. Christians care about evil, and you can see that, that care, that concern get brought out in this story. Jesus told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seeds in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. Now notice how the devil is acting. He acts in a very sick in a very sneaky way. He plants evil right among the good seeds. God created a world to be perfect. He created mankind as the crown of his creation in his image without sin. What did the devil do? So did evil. And he sneaks away thinking he can, he can get away with it. This is God's enemy. His enemy came and did this. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. And just an aside, so you know that, that this isn't just my interpretation of this parable. No, this is, this is one of the parables that Jesus interprets himself. He says, here's what it is. The weeds are evil people. The enemy who sowed that, that's the devil. And as far as getting rid of all the weeds out there in the world, that's getting rid of sin and, and every form of evil, all evildoers, all causes of sin and evil. That's what this is about. Now, listen to the servant's reaction. Listen to the servant's reaction because the servants care. Christians care. You and I care. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this. He replied, servants, they come to the master and, and you can sense their anxiety about, about the evil, about the sin. Lord, Lord, I know 
This isn't supposed to be this way. I know that you created it to be really, really good. Why this? Why this evil? Why is it here? Here's our, our next fill in the blank if you're following along. That, that Christians care. Christians care about evil and sin in the world and not just in the world. We care about it where we least expect it. In the church. Christians care about, first, let's look at sin in the world. I mean, there's no shortage of things that we could list about what we see wrong with the world. Let's just start with worldviews and our view. God's view. God's view of our bodies and sexuality. God's view of unborn babies. God's view compared to the world's view about how we use and abuse power, about how we, how we use the material wealth, the, the things, the money that we have. We see evil all over and we care. We care about the way that it affects us, our families, our kids. We care about the way it affects even people who aren't our family and friends, the way it affects our coworkers, the way that it affects our brothers and sisters in Christ. We care even about the way evil and sin in the world affects people we don't know. Homeless, those abused. Christians care. Oftentimes, it's too much. We look out at the world, and just like the servants, the servants who said, Lord, didn't you mean for good? Didn't you mean for good seed to be here? Why this? Why this suffering? Why, why, does, why does marriage sometimes seem like war instead of bliss? Why does parenting seem like I'm treading water, trying to turn a tanker to go in the other direction, and it's, it's just my three-year-old? Why? Is there insurmountable debt, but, but you didn't mean for it to be this way? No, even when people are, are good stewards, why is there sickness? Why is there suffering? Why is there abuse? Why, why is there violence? Why is there evil? That's just the world. We also look at it in the church. Among the family of believers, we see sin and we see evil. We see people we love not living like Christ wants them to. And sometimes we don't even have to go looking for it. It's just, it's just right there. And, and we wonder, are, are they Christians or are, are they pretending to be Christians? I mean, perhaps you've asked. Maybe not out loud to, to your pastor or to a person standing next to you, but is he even a Christian? Is she even going to be saved? And we're concerned about this because we know this, that, that God redeemed the church. Christ redeemed the church and there is there is his church. It is without stain or wrinkle or any other kind of blemish. But we see wrinkles all over. We see blemish everywhere. We care. Because we know God didn't mean for it to be this way. So what do we do? Well, like the servants, we ask. Servants came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The, the servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? 
But here's where we maybe depart from the servants a little bit. The servants ask a good question. Question we probably ask too. What do you want us to do about the sin and the evil that we see? Do you want us to go and rid the world of it? But here's where we're different from the servants. Perhaps we don't stick around for the answer. We go, Lord, you want us to get rid of the sin and evil in the world? Wait a second. Well, it's like we interrupt ourselves. <laughs> That's a silly question. Of course you do. Of course you do because you don't like evil. Therefore, we don't like evil. We're Christians. We care. And so here's what we're going to look at is, is two ways. Two ways that typically Christians look to handle evil in the world. Either escape it or destroy it. Either try to escape sin or destroy sin. And and it's always happened historically and currently. Let's think about escaping sin historically. You want to know what people used to do? Christian people who cared about sin in the world used to go, you know what? We're going to get rid of this. We're going to escape it. One example would be that, well, a Christian could go to a monastery or a nunnery, monks, nuns. And that way we could escape it. We could dedicate our lives to the things of God, his commands. We could, oh, we could even, with self-afflicted deprivation, get rid of things that tempt us by dedicating ourselves, by really being about God's word, his commands. We can get rid of sin. Of course, this is, this is a good thing. We should avoid sin. But ask yourself if, no, we, we don't go to monks, or we don't become monks or go to monasteries. But do we have our own metaphorical form of those? We think, you know what? If I just escape away to the right social circles, I can avoid those evildoers and sin altogether. If I just go to the right school, send my kids to the right school, and I shop at the right stores and buy the right brands and watch the right shows, huh, then no sin in this life. You know, we don't, we don't honestly think that, that we can go to a monastery. You know, that's silly, but do we do that metaphorically? Do we think that by our own choices in the world, that if we really dedicate ourselves to good, then we can avoid evil? That if we really bring onto ourselves self-afflicted deprecation from, from things we want, that way we will avoid any hint of evil and sin in our life? Well, think how this plays out. Think how it did play out. There's really only two ways that it can go. One, you turn in on yourself. You focus so hard on, okay, I'm avoiding it here. Oh, I got a little close there. Oh man, I didn't, I didn't avoid it. I didn't escape it there. I didn't, I didn't make the right choice to avoid this situation or that situation or, or I got a little too close to that sinner. And what happens is a Christian who cares, who cares about sin, all of a sudden turns in on themselves, focusing only on themselves instead of the cross and what Christ has done about sin there. And they're crushed. They're crushed by, by all they have to do in order to avoid and escape sin. Happened often to monks. The other side, 
the other side of that, of that ditch, trying to escape it, is to think you really did. Is to think you really did escape all sin and evil in the world. And you, then you want to know what happens? You played right into the devil's trap. Because you want to know one of the best weapons he has? It's just to get you to think that he's not real or he's not really that powerful. That his sin, his evil, that he sowed in this world, that he, he is the enemy of the Son of Man, you can avoid it. You, you can escape it, actually. And maybe you have. It doesn't work. So then people think, we'll just destroy sin and evil. You know what this has looked like historically? Have you ever heard of the Spanish Inquisition? It was a time in the Middle Ages where people in Spain hunted down non-Catholics, non-Christians to get rid of them, tortured them, even abused and murdered them. And ever since, it's undeniably left a dark stain on the history of Christianity. The Crusades too, what Christians did in, in, in the Middle Ages, they went throughout the Middle East hunted, killed, and, and went to war against non-Christians just to rid the world of evil. But we don't do that today. No, 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 we don't go on crusades and inquisitions today because, of course, that takes life. But do we do it metaphorically and and not take life, but take opportunities for people to hear the life-giving word. Oh, we go on crusades with words that if my words, my battle cry is louder than everybody else, <laughs> we'll destroy sin and evil. Is that proclaiming peace to the nations? Inquisitions, we think, okay, I'm, I'm just going to inquire about what your thinking is, and I, I'm going to come with my well, well-inquired argument against that and destroy whatever you think. We think to ourselves that, you know, we'll just outmaneuver the enemy Here's, here's what we'll do. We'll get enough politicians, enough doctors, enough lawyers, enough people in positions of power and influence. We'll get enough Christians like that into society and we'll just, we'll just destroy them that way. We'll outmaneuver sin and evil in the world. Does that sound like Jesus who, who took the opportunity to, to open doors and sit with sinners and evildoers? It doesn't work. It, it doesn't work to destroy sin and evil. One, because we don't have that power. Two, because Jesus already did that and he promised that the final defeat is going to come when he comes back into this world. That's why we need to listen to what Jesus says, what the Son of Man says in reply to the servant's question. They asked a good one. They said, do you want us to go and, and pull him up? Do you want us to root out sin and evil in the world? He said, no, no, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. 
Christian, you care, and that is good. Sometimes. Sometimes our care takes us down paths that are, that are really, really not caring for others. Praise God that we have a Savior who cares more, who is full of care. Care for you. He doesn't want you to be the one turned in on yourself wondering, okay, okay, am I doing a good job escaping evil? He doesn't want you believing the lie of Satan that, that you can possibly escape evil. And think about this. Your God cares so much for you that he doesn't want anybody else judging you thinking, are they weeds or wheat? Because if they're weeds, I'm going to chop them down. No, no, no. This is the point. No human being can judge from the outside weeds or wheat. So he says, let them grow. Let them grow. Listen to his answer. He says, no. Let growth grow until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them in to my barn. We don't often think of heaven that way. We don't often think of salvation that way, but that's it. It's that Jesus, Jesus is bringing us in to his barn. What comfort. Where's the comfort in that? That's, that's just cold comfort that something's going to get burned up and we're going to get to go into the barn. No, no, no. Look at the warm and the loving patience of our God. Look at what he gives you in this parable. He doesn't tell you to go out and take bombs and hand grenades and guns and, and destroy all the evil in the world. Here's what he gives us, something better. He gives you hope to cope throughout your life with the sin and evil that will always be here. Do you see what God is doing with this parable? He is letting you in on some of the great secrets and mysteries of the world. He is giving you a deep and unique perspective on what is happening right now. He's telling you about the future. He's giving you hope of things to come. He's answering the great, great question that people ask, why is there evil? Why is there suffering in the world? This is it. This is it. It's so that you, Christian, you can grow. You can grow and no harm will come to you. I mean, look at all of the gospel packed into this. First, his disciples came to him and said, Lord, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seeds stand for the people of the kingdom. Do you see the good news in this parable? That your good savior portrays himself as a good farmer who has good seed that grows into good wheat. That grows into you. Christian, you know who you are, you are God's wheat. You are people of the kingdom. You say, well, pastor, I've done sin, done evil. How, how do I know? Are you baptized? Yes. Then what do, Christ does is he clothes you with the robes of his righteousness and you are the people who shine like the sun. 
Are you, are you someone who's, who's often found rejoicing with those who gather together around God's word and sacrament, hearing it, growing in it? Well, you're here. You're here, aren't you? Listen, listen to what God's word says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, God chose you as first fruits. More uh, agrarian metaphor. He chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the spirit through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel so that you might share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Elsewhere, we're very used to being called first fruits of God. Here he calls you, you are my wheat, you are my people. And what does that result in? Well, hope to cope. He says, so then brothers and sisters, stand firm, hold fast to the, to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every word and deed. Do you see how this changes your worldview? How it changes the way you look at the inevitable bad things, the suffering, the evil that you will see, hear, and experience in this world. Despite it all, you know who you are. You are God's good wheat. You're not weeds. You are God's good wheat That's what he has called you to believe through the word of the gospel. You know who you are and you know who is caring for you. Look, he's giving us deep insights, deep and unique perspective into what is actually happening in this world. He cares for you. He is caring for you right now. The owner's servants came to him and said, Lord, didn't you sow good seed? Where did the weeds come from? I love the contrast. Jesus reply, an enemy did this. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull him up? No. No, he answered. Do you see just how in control God is? Well, he's saying, no, I can't see it. I can't see God. No, that's what he's sharing with us in this parable. He's showing you just how good he is, how good his provision is, and how powerful he is. Servants, angels, don't worry about it. Relax. I'm going to let them grow together. Don't worry, I'm not going to lose one of them. I'm going to let them grow up and then bring them into my barn. But what about evil and suffering? Why is this happening? That question. People ask, why is this this sin going on? Why is this... Why is this evil occurring to me? You see what Jesus is doing here? He's telling you why. He's giving you the answer to one of those questions that the world will forever ask. I I can't give you the details exactly about what God is trying to do, but he tells you here, he tells you it's so you grow. This evil is suffering. Christian, I know you care, but I'm letting it go on so that you can grow on and on in my grace, so that you can grow closer to me, so that in spite of the evil and suffering in the world, that you can grow a grip ever stronger on my cross, on my promises, on who you are, 
So you can grow in an understanding of just how much I love you and how much I care for you. I mean, this, this turns your world upside down. Now we don't ask. We know. We know why sin and suffering still happens. And what's more, we also know how it ends. He gives us a glimpse into the future. He tells us the harvest, it's the end of the age. And the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out his kingdom. Everything that causes sin and all who do evil, they will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. You have hope to cope. Hope that is patient, Hope that is long-suffering, that means enduring. Hope that can withstand the evil and sin and the way it affects Christians because you know how the story ends. It's telling the future with this parable. Here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna come into my barn and you're gonna shine. You're gonna shine with the glory of the sun because the son of man is the good farmer who planted good seed and who is good and cares for you all the days of your life. Do you see how much good news is packed into this? We have hope to cope. What I wanna do is, is end with just three, three brief applications in, in how this applies to the way we relate to sin now. We have hope to cope. So, Therefore, therefore, here's the first one. Ready? Since we have hope to cope, we do not elope with sin and evil. Elope means get married, run off with, you know, sin and evil. We don't do it. Because here, here's one thing we need to step back and see. We, lest, lest we be accused of diminishing how powerful and real sin and evil are in the world. Look at the way God talked about it in Isaiah 44. He talked about how it's, it's just foolishness. It's just ignorance. It's just, it's just shame that people are gonna die in their shame. Look at what God talked about in Romans chapter one. My wrath is and will be revealed against wickedness and godlessness. Now, even though sin and evil grow up around us, we don't run off and, and entangle ourselves with it because God's serious about it. Here in Matthew, Matthew, he tells what's gonna happen. Hell is gonna happen. They will get tied up. They will go into a furnace that doesn't run out. It's gonna be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we don't, we don't join with it. In fact, when we see it in the church, we gently point it out. We don't go, I wonder if you're a weed, chop you down. No, we gently tell them about what we see coming because God has showed it to us. We don't elope with sin and evil. And here's the, here's the second one. We don't mope about sin and evil. Because we have hope to cope, we don't mope about sin and evil. Step back. Think about the last question or conversation that you had, excuse me, with, with another Christian about the goings on in the world. What was the mood of the conversation? Was it full of hope and courage? Was it, was it full of the good news that you and me, we're gonna shine like the sun with the glory of God when we enter in to his barn, into heaven? 
Were you kind of whiny? Were you kind of moping about? Like, oh. Did we forget the God that we have? Listen to Isaiah chapter 44, verse eight. Here's God speaking. He said, do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? Did I, did I not say this evil, this sin, this suffering, my judgment, it was gonna happen? You, you are my witnesses. Is there any God beside me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. Friends, we have hope, not just random ethereal hope or a theoretical hope. We have hope in a living God. We have hope in this kind of God, a hope in a God who is a rock, a hope in a God that we can stand on, a hope in a God that is our anchor to this rock. That is the hope that we have. Why do we mope about? Christ gives us his courage to to withstand and to live in a world full of sin, full of suffering, knowing who our God is. Here's the final one. We have hope to cope. Therefore, we don't soap out sin and evil. It just goes back to the way that, that Christians care or try to care in the world. You think about the irony and the fact that, that, that the way we would like to deal with things often is to just chop it down, get rid of it, because we're being caring. And yet look at what God says. Here's, here's how we care. I am going to let it grow together. Well, that doesn't make any sense. What if this happens? What if, what if, you know, a wheat gets taken over by weeds? God says, look, don't soap it out, scrub it out, try to get rid of it. I'm patient. Think about that. Think, think about the sin and the evil that you see in the world or that you see just down the row from you in church. Instead of soaping it out, what are we, what are we called to do? Grow with it. Grow with it in the hope and the knowledge that we have in Christ. Go with it and share the hope that we have. It's the only way that, well, what if, what if that happens? Weeds turn to wheat because we proclaim the precious hope that we have in a living Savior. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Christians care. Christian, you care. You care about a good many things in this world, going on in this church. You care about evil and sin, and that is good. But know that you have a God who is more full of care. And so he gave you this. He gave you his word. He gave you his word so that you see not only that evil exists, but you also see that you can and you are growing up around it. You are growing up around it. So we don't have to join with it. We don't have to mope around and be afraid of it or, or shrink down in front of it. No, we have a God who has overcome evil, who over has come sin, and who is in control of all things so that he's seeing that his good wheat that is you grows up and is brought into the barn to live and be with him eternity forever. Do you see the deep and the unique perspective that you have on all things in the world because of this? Whoever has ears, let him hear. Amen.